0: Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor, representative of Security and Financial Services Inc. Securities Dealer, Member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for talk money. Now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker.
1: Well, good morning and welcome to today's program. I'm Jim Shoemaker. And if you're looking for advice on topics like purchasing a home or investing in your 401k, buying the right insurance and the correct amount, or you're just looking for tips on how to jumpstart that savings program, well, this is a program for you. Send your questions to talk money at ShoemakerFinancial.com. And we'll do our best to answer your questions. We're going to be answering a couple today, and that's important because that's how we drive—you know—drive the program is looking at what you're asking us, and we're going to do the facts of ask, answering the questions. Now, uh, you know, whether you're a baby boomer saving for retirement, or you're a millennial getting married or paying off debt, you know, the common problem with a lot of people. In fact, it's a whether regardless of the generation. It's always creating stress, and I'm talking about money. Well, finances, as being to a lot of people, is the biggest stressor, and when you age, you begin to look at problems that you didn't look at as a 35-year-old. Well, my guest today is Paul Malley, and he's talking about aging with dignity. In fact, he is the president and CEO of Aging with Dignity. He's with us on the phone. Paul, welcome to the program, sir.
2: Hello, Jim. It's good to be with you today. I appreciate it.
1: Well, and now you're in sunny Florida, I believe. Am I correct?
2: That's correct. We are a, a, a private nonprofit organization that's based in Florida, but we work all around the country and internationally, in fact, at Aging with Dignity.
1: All right. Aging with Dignity. I like the name. Tell me, let's start with this. What is the mission statement for Aging with Dignity?
2: Sure. So our, our mission, our aim, our goal is to safeguard and affirm the human dignity of every person who faces challenges related to aging or serious illness. Uh, and as you began, you talked about preparing for stresses that are connected to financial considerations and concerns. And uh, we know from our experience that another, another place of stress for many families and people young and old is health care. And what happens if someone gets sick? in our family, or what happens if we get sick? Who makes decisions for us? And uh, and how will we know what to do, what's right for our loved ones in case of a serious illness? And that's where our Five Wishes program comes in that's connected right to our mission at Aging with Dignity.
1: I want to talk a little bit about Five Wishes because I know that's been one of your... Biggest emphasis and has been extremely successful. I was reading Gallup came out with a poll in uh, just May, just, just last couple of months ago, May of 2020, said 55% of Americans surveyed did not have a living will. Now, five wishes, I mean, maybe you should explain what five wishes is so that since you've mentioned it, but the importance of a living will for this aging population. And, you know, we don't, and especially with the coronavirus that's, you know, hitting so many people and the the age population is so severe. Aging at this point with that mindset is really important. So a living will, 55% of Americans don't have a living will. Why is it important?
2: Sure. And you know, and I'd guess that number is even higher than that. Uh, we know that most people don't have any type of a living will or an advanced directive. And, uh, and when we say those terms, living will or advanced directive, what we're talking about usually are legal documents that a, an adult, anybody 18 or over, would complete to give instruction about the care they'd want in case they're very sick and they're not able to make their own decisions for themselves. We think often about life support treatment, when we'd want it or not want it. So what Five Wishes offers is a simple way, a simple document that's easy to use, that's appropriate for all adults across the country. And when you fill out Five Wishes, you are completing a legally valid advance directive that meets the legal requirements in 44 states. So there are only a handful that you still have to complete another form that you can get from your doctor or an attorney in your state. Uh, but the idea with five wishes is that you are the person who knows best what's important to you. And as you think about who you would trust to make healthcare decisions for you and what kind of guidance you'd want them to, to have to make those decisions on your behalf, five wishes helps you think through that, write it down in a legally valid document, and talk about it with your family and with your doctor so that everyone is on the same page and there's no second-guessing or wondering what you would want. Or if you're in a place to make decisions for a loved one, whether it's a parent or a spouse, uh, you'll know what they would want. You won't have to grasp at straws. You won't have to guess the decisions would be made in advance. That's what Five Wishes provides is peace of mind.
1: So peace of mind. Now, I was going to ask you, why should— why should I do it? And I think you've explained that to us very well. So, but let me let me ask you this: If you talk about this healthcare agent, this person, if I'm seriously ill or just I'm just you know I've gotten to be seventy, seventy five, eighty, eighty five, I I love the name of your company, Aging with Dignity. I I don't know what to do. I'm thinking about it. Let's ask this question, and I want to hear you answer. Who? Because this is a tough question. My children are in sp- Seattle, Washington, Bangor, Maine. I mean, who knows where your children are today? Who should be my health care agent? Is it my child? If they're not in the same state or not in the same, who should I be naming as my health care agent? Let's start with number one, children. And then if the children aren't around, what goes from there?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and it all depends on the family dynamics and the situation, your personal situation with either your family or your close friends. Uh, you mentioned healthcare agents, so that's actually wish one of five wishes, where you're naming a person to be your voice to speak for you if you're not able to speak for yourself. And we give guidance in five wishes on how to pick the right person to be your agent. It might be your closest family member. It could be a spouse. It could be one of your adult children but it may not necessarily be. What you want to think about is who's the person who knows you best and who would also be able to uh, have some backbone and stand up for you if you're seriously ill and you're in the hospital. You want somebody who would be uh, really aggressively advocating for your rights and your decisions, somebody who would understand what you want and somebody who would be willing to stand up for you and what you would want. So in some cases we know that people have chosen a close friend instead of their closest family member. And they think that that close friend would be the person who, uh, who would know them best. And, uh, and they've talked with their friend and they've talked with their family and explain their decision. So give thought to it. And then once you've filled out five wishes and you've named your first choice, and then we actually give you a chance to name a second choice and a third choice in case that person isn't available. Um, uh, but talk with your family about it. Talk with your kids, talk with your spouse, and say, here's what I've decided, and here's who I've named as my health care agent and my decision maker, and here's why. So they can connect those dots.
1: You know, connecting the dots, I like what you said, talk with your family members. And, and that can be a very easy conversation or a very tough conversation. Explain the dynamics where you would say someone who's trying to do this, and I guess let's throw this first, Five Wishes. If I want a copy of Five Wishes, how do I get a copy of Five Wishes?
2: Two two easy ways. Uh, one is online. You can go to the website fivewishes.org. It's spelled out F-I-V-E wishes.org. Uh, and you can also learn more about us on our uh, organization homepage as well, AgingWithDignity.org. Either one of those, you can get information about Five Wishes. Uh, you can also call our national toll-free hotline number, and that's 1-888-5WISHES, eight 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 five nine four seven four three seven. 594 7437 And you can order a copy. Uh, they're very inexpensive, a few dollars each for a copy of Five Wishes. And what we hope is that you would share five wishes with your family and your close friends. You mentioned, Jim, that it's sometimes uh, delicate or awkward to bring up this topic, and you're exactly right. And the best advice that we can give is don't put somebody else in the hot seat. Don't approach one person and ask them to fill out five wishes or to make an important decision on the spot. The easier way to do it is to say, let's talk about this as a family or as a group of close friends and understand what uh, what's important to each one of us and sit down with each of you with your five wishes and make a conversation out of it, fill it out together. That way, everyone is communicating together rather than putting somebody on the hot seat. Nobody wants to be there.
1: Oh, that that sounded, I mean, I appreciate that because I think what I'm hearing you say This is a way before it becomes a tough conversation, you're talking about making it a a comfortable conversation by stepping into it almost like, um, hey, guys, I've got a booklet here. Let's talk about this booklet. Doesn't mean that it's the end of the world or this becomes the done deal. Let's just open it up for discussion and discussion helps get to the end results that you're trying to get to. Did I, did I understand that correct, that you're really just letting this be a kind of a, a discussion piece?
2: You got it exactly right. That's it. And, uh, and, and the fact that it's a discussion piece means that, uh, that it's appropriate for everyone and in, and in every home. You, uh, you don't have to have a medical or a law degree to be the person who takes the lead in initiating this conversation with your family. Uh, You might hear about it from your doctor or from an attorney or from a financial advisor, but but the real magic happens when you sit down with your family and you talk about it and you complete the five wishes. And everyone has, with the five wishes booklet, you have everything that you need to be able to have that conversation and fill out the legally valid document.
1: Now, we've been talking, Paul. This is Paul Malley. He is the president of Aging with Dignity. If you'd like to talk with him, he can call him at 888-594-7437, or not to him, but to his organization. And it's agingwithdignity.org. Five Wishes is the kind of the material that we're looking at. And really, Paul, you're doing a great job of helping us get through this. This is a tough conversation for a lot of people if you'd like a copy for five wishes, it's five wishes, five F I V E wishes. dot o r g. You can you know, order a copy from there, Paul. I I look at this and and I'll be candid with you. I, I'm so impressed. You say you the you know you start number one. You said the first wish was the person I want to make care decisions for me, but then I noticed that five wishes. The second wish is the kind of medical treatment I won't or I don't want. Help me with that. That. Man, I can tell you, I guess if I'm in that stage, I might say, I want the, the top of the line, give me the Cadillac. But you tell me sometimes people don't always ask for that.
2: Sure, that's right. And you should be able to ask for the Cadillac if you want the Cadillac, right? Yeah. Uh, and, that's, and, and, and that is certainly how we approach it. Uh, there are some documents, advanced directives or living wills, that are written that don't give you any choices to make. And I would encourage your listeners... If you have completed a different living will or an advanced directive years ago, go back and look at it and make sure that it actually matches what you would want today, Uh, especially if it was a pre-written form that didn't give you the opportunity to make any decisions for yourself. Five Wishes gives you that chance. It sets the scenario and it asks you a, a series of a few simple questions of if you were near the end of life and life support treatment would only delay the moment of your death, what are your preferences for life support treatment? Either I want it or I don't want it, or a middle ground option of I want it if it could help, uh, but I want it stopped if it's not helping my condition or symptoms. So the idea with WISH2 is not that you'll be able to answer every possible medical scenario that could come up, but you can leave a trail of breadcrumbs for your healthcare agent and for your family. So that if they have to make a decision about life support treatment for you, and you're not able to speak for yourself, they'll have some guidance from you that says, "Here's, here's what I think is most important to me. Here's what I want. Here's what I don't want." Regarding specifically regarding life support treatment, that's what Wish 2 does.
1: Well, there's Five Wishes, FiveWishes.org. If you'd like a copy, Paul. Last question, and I and I just think this is one of those questions that. I mean, it's the fifth wish, and, and I, this, I I I think it's probably one of the most important because a lot of times families can, you know, you can have five siblings in a room and three of them are all on the same page and two are not even close and they're opposed. And so you've got to, you got the dynamics in the room. This part of the wish number five, my wish for what I want my loved ones to know. Talk about that for me because to me— other All this other is extremely important, but this kind of sometimes allows Dad or mom to kind of say guys let 's get all this together. Help us with that. Why is that so important
2: yeah you 're exactly right jim and after after twenty years in distributing about forty million copies of five wishes over the past two decades, that what you just highlighted is exactly what we hear that for so many families. It's wishes three, four, and five really that make the biggest difference because these wishes, all the, the last three wishes, talk about comfort and dignity, what you want your loved ones to know, so you can express your thoughts about pain management, who you'd like to be with you, if you'd like people praying for you or praying with you. And the fifth wish, my wish for what I want my loved ones to know, lets you say, I want my family to know that I love them. I want to be forgiven or I want to... Extend forgiveness to my family and friends. And these are there not just because our organization thought they would be important to be there. These things are there because out of all the national research that's been done and out of our two decades of experience, these are the things that people say matter the most. When people are asked, what would be most important to you near the end of your life? People say, I want to be with my family or with my close friends, and I want them to know that I love them and I want to wrap up any loose ends or let somebody out of the doghouse if I haven't talked to somebody important to me in five or ten years. Those are the things that touch the matters of heart and soul that so many people say matter the most. And often in our busy, everyday lives, we don't get to give attention to these things, even though we know in our head and we feel it in our heart that they're most important to us. So five wishes and wish five lets us communicate that, the things that are most important to our heart and soul, that we don't want to leave unsaid. It lets us say it and communicate it to the people who are important to us.
1: Agingwithdignity.org. Paul Malley, the president of Aging with Dignity. The item we're talking about is five wishes. You can pick up a copy of that at fivewishes.org. Let me read this. This is a statement that's written by one of your... A successful uh, clients, Paul, and I appreciate this. Let me read it. What it says. I don't want my children to have to make the decisions I am having to make for my mother. I never knew that there were so many medical options to be considered. Thank you for such a sensitive and caring form. I I can simply fill it out and have it on file for my children. That is what it's all about, to have that ability to put something together. That's why we're talking about it. That's why we wanted to have Paul on as a guest today, President of Aging with Dignity. Telephone number 888-594-7437, and it's agingwithdignity.org. Five wishes, if you want a copy of it, fivewishes.org. Paul, in a summary statement, I want to give you the last word. If you were just walking down the street and somebody asked you, what should I be doing? I'm 80 years old, 75 years old. Summarize, why is it important today to be thinking about this advanced care planning?
2: I think if you ask yourself, what's most important to me? And whatever comes to mind, if it's family, if it's it's your care, if it's matters of the heart and soul, then I would say don't leave those things to chance. Don't leave it to chance or to, uh, to friends or family to have to guess what's important to you and what you would want. And the solution to that is to get yourself a copy of Five Wishes. Fill it out and talk about it with your family because, uh, because those things that are most important to us, if we don't give attention to them and plan for them, uh, they might not be done in the right way. So, uh, so don't leave it to chance
1: fivewishes.org if you would like a copy. Thank you, Paul, so much for being with us. That's agingwithdignity.org. President Paul Malley, thank you, sir. Appreciate you being with us. Have a great
2: day. Thank you, Jim. Great to be with you.
1: Uh We'll have Paul back on later again, talking more about Aging with Dignity. What a great service fivewishes.org. Sometimes we get so intimidated with the idea that we need to do some advanced planning, but we procrastinate. Now, you ever think about that? You procrastinate. Yeah, I, I, I never did that. I, I have absolutely, I majored in college in procrastination and got a PhD in it, and I am extremely good at it. And most of us are good at procrastination. Well, guess what? When it comes to procrastination, I want to talk with Rob Clement about something that you cannot procrastinate about, and that is your credit. And when we get into trouble, it's about credit repair. And Rob, welcome to the program. It's Rob Clement with Shoemaker Financial. Welcome to the program, sir.
3: Great to be here, Jim. Thanks for having me.
1: Rob, we, I, this, I, talk about procrastination. We have a tendency to put off doing something that we should be doing. I mean, like taking care of credit, paying our bills. What are some factors? I I guess, let me start first of all. What is a credit score? Because that's really what we're talking about. My credit score is good, I'm okay. My credit score is not too good. I can't procrastinate and think it's gonna fix itself. But define, what is a credit score?
3: That's a great question. A credit score is your story. That's who you are and what you're all about. And that means, what does the credit agency look at? They look at, are you a good risk for them? And that means, are you paying your bills? So it's two simple things. And usually a credit score is, people know it by three digits. And everybody's one of those three digits, somewhere between 300 to 850. In America today, the average credit score is around 680 today. So it's a very important thing. Because it's your story. You own it.
1: So what are some of the factors when you talk about it's a very important story, I own it, it's my score, I um, it's not where I want it to be, I can't procrastinate and think it's going to repair itself. So tell me some of the factors that affect my credit
3: credit score. Well, I think most people recognize that when you get a bill in the mail, you're supposed to pay the bill. So missing a payment does impact your credit score. So that's commonly something there where people begin to start with is looking at and making sure you're not missing a payment. And then uh, potentially home foreclosures, Uh, missing mortgage payments can cause a home foreclosure. And thirdly, I'd say is uh, it's just going over your credit limit on your credit cards. Maybe you're traveling and all of a sudden expenses are up and uh, wow, I'm going to use my credit card Uh, Oh, I'm at my limit. So it's easy to call the credit card company and ask them to help you raise your amount that you can have on your credit card. So those are the, some of the top three. Uh, I'll give you a couple more. You get a, uh, in the mail a collection notice that you are in trouble. On paying, so you can't procrastinate on that. Uh, well, you said you had a PhD <laughs> I do. there. I think I that's piled high and deep. Uh, I've got deeper. that correctly, got and that's what happens. Is, catch that. and that's what happens with credit too. If you're not careful, <laughs> it gets piled high, high and, or... and it gets deep. So you have got to watch it closely, and then also you want to make sure that uh, you're not a poor debt to credit ratio. That's that just speaks to itself and defines that you know I've got more debt than I do have credit. That's not a good thing. So we want to make sure that our credit remains high.
1: I, you know, I was talking to someone recently, this poor debt to credit, and um, they, very high score, and the reality, he said, you know, I just found out that, and he was telling me this, we were talking about credit and repair and managing credit. He was actually talking to his 20, 28-year-old son, <laughs> and he said, can you help me, Jim? Can you counsel? Because we've done a lot of credit counseling in the past. And he said, can you help me get, to, get through the thick ears or two ears, that's what he said, thick head of my 28-year-old son. And we were going through this process with him. And, and, the, and the deal, in the conversation, he said to me, he said, you know, I just found out that if I cancel a credit card, that can affect my score. And, and I said, yeah, of course. And he said, I had no earthly idea. And he said, well, I, you know, the whole idea was you have to think through it before you just go th- whacking off, because he was going to have his son cancel. He said, "How my son got three, four, five, six, seven. You ready for this? Fourteen different credit cards as a twenty-eight year old son." And I mean, you know, and he said because they would go to a store if he gets the credit card, he can, you know. I mean, so he just collected, and all of a sudden he was trying to start canceling some of them, and boom, he got a notification saying. You're, you know, because he was checking his score too, that his score was going to go up as a result of that. So, those are things you're just being aware of your and sensitive to how you're managing
3: your school. Well, score. if you're a collegiate and you're walking across campus and you're a brand new freshman or sophomore or whatever your year is, you'll find that there are tables many times sit up on campus and hey, this looks like a good thing. I'm going to take out a credit card because that 28 that you talked about from that particular individual, I can see where that could happen. In my world, I've seen a number of people that think, well, you know, I'll get a number of credit cards here because it'll help me out at some point down the line. So you've got to be careful about, that's one of the other cautions to watch for, is how many credit cards do you need to have open? That's
1: so critical. Let me ask, I'm going to ask Dane Williams. He's here in the studio too. We're going to be talking about what happens when you have an accident later on coming up in the show. But Dane, I want you to go to the mic now and I want to ask you, here you are, you're in the property and casualty division that you make, in. this is an issue when you start putting together somebody's report
4: to, to write the best car insurance for them, automobile insurance, you check credit score. Yeah, it's part of your insurance score that determines your rates that you're ultimately going to end up paying. Uh, so just like Rob said, the credit score is telling the, the companies that may loan you money, are you a good risk? An insurance company wants to know if you're a good risk as well. Are you someone that exhibits responsible behavior? Because oftentimes that may bleed into other areas. So an insurance company is absolutely going to be checking your credit score to determine if your rate should be more favorable or less favorable. Okay, that makes
1: a lot of sense. So if you just tuned in, we're talking about credit repair. Here we are in the middle of coronavirus and all the things that's happened with the coronavirus and the reality. I mean, 11.1% of our nation... Is unemployed. Now I know during the earlier part of CARES Act, you, you know, you ended up getting an additional $1,200 per individual, $500 per child. All of those things were to help, but so easy, it was so easy for your credit report to all of a sudden get in trouble. Maybe maybe you were procrastinating. And of course, I'm talking about a little bit of that tongue in cheek. But Paul, I mean, the whole idea is, you know, we have people that, that, I just mentioned this young man's name. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. But uh, let's call him Paul. How's that? <laughs> Paul said, you know, Dad, I didn't know that it was going to get in trouble. I expected it to be okay. Anticipation, expectations. For the 28, 29, 30-year-old, it just wasn't real for him. And so in this whole process, he was missing some payments. He he did get furloughed from his job. He was getting some, he's not married. And, uh, you know, the reality was he thought he was doing okay. Now, he hadn't had a home foreclosure. He rents an apartment, but he's a month, two months behind on his, home, his rent payment. And, and dad has kind of said, son. Grow up <laughs> it was pretty straightforward now dad's helping don't don 't get me wrong i don't want the, I know they're listening, and they I asked them, can I talk about them and they said absolutely just don 't mention their names, but the point was I think that the reality was it needed to be a great conversation about managing credit not only during the coronavirus but just generally. it is something that we all have to do. You mentioned rob the credit score, managing the credit score. What are some factors that you would say that affect that credit score? You you mentioned earlier, you know, the, the managing the credit cards you have and things like that, but what are the different credit accounts? Well, what are some of the other thoughts that you have that's, that's there, you know, as far as managing that?
3: Sure thing. The uh, Some of the examples, Jim, that we see are that uh, an, an individual may – fall behind in things and when they fall behind they can get in major trouble so what can happen is you get too many new credit cards that you've opened alright that's a major concern is how many credit cards and secondly it's uh, how old are my credit accounts so these are things that the, the credit rating agencies are looking at as they go through individuals. And remember, we started talking about this is your story. So you're creating your own story about yourself and your credit rating. So if
1: you open a new account, that could be a telltale sign. But the reality is, if I have a bunch of old accounts that I haven't managed very well, that's a problem. That's right. Be sensitive to that. Be aware. Yeah,
3: because they stay on the books for you. Maybe Years ago, like the example you're saying, this 28-year-old, all of a sudden, they look back at his credit score, and it's something that he opened up way back in his collegiate years, and he's never used it since that time, but the account is still showing open on his credit score. You
1: know, you, you say that he's never used it. What we discovered in working with Paul through this whole thing is that there's different types of credit accounts whether it be the rent that he has that he's paying, or he work, opens up the department store credit, or he's bought something same as cash, you know, those those things. And it, there, what we've discovered in working with him is he didn't have multiple types of credit. It was all credit cards. And therefore, it was not helping him. He thought he was doing a good job initially. That did get out of hand. But having multiple types of credit accounts that's really what the creditors are looking for to see if you're able to handle multiple accounts.
3: It that's exactly sense. right yeah so it's it's think of it as being diversified as a person and so your credit needs to be diversified also Dane mentioned earlier, a great thing because insurance companies are looking at that because one day you may need to have homeowners insurance or car insurance so they're looking at that type of thing and even today life insurance companies are looking at your credit score and how you do so that's a very important aspect of, uh, of keeping your credit healthy
1: dad in this case and Dana I want to ask you this too you talked about a homeowner I mean an automobile insurance but homeowners is the same way because Paul is engaged and Paul is getting married, in, in fact, the next summer. And so dad and Paul are having this heart-to-heart, man-to-man talk, which they've had. These are great relationship, by the way. But here's the part. In this case, in with working with them, it was the conversation became around his credit and his ability to buy a house and
4: all the things, and then the insurance for it. It's the same thing, is it, Dave? Sure, absolutely. You know, it's funny, I am not too far removed uh, from that stage of life. And, and you, you start having those conversations at that age because there's a thing that you want. You want to get married. You want to, uh, to buy the house. You want that thing. And then as you start pursuing that, you start unraveling all these other pieces of adulting that come with that and insurance and credit score and, and all of that factors into it. Um, as you finally found the house that you like, that thing that you wanted, you realize you've got to get it insured. And if you've got just credit that's a mess, even if you've got cash to buy the house or you've got someone that will loan it, if your credit is so out of whack that uh, your insurance rates are going to be higher, then it may make that dream home that you had no longer on the board. Okay. All right. We talked about credit card. We
1: talked about a 28-year-old. But now let's talk about it in the next few minutes. I mean, I'm leaning with you. Paul doesn't have a delinquency. Paul's made his payments. He doesn't have a judgment Foreclosure, He doesn't have a bankruptcy. All right. Now, Rob, I need you to tell me, tell our listening audience, what does that person do who has, how do they repair their credit report? What do they got to do in order to put something back together? Whether it's a dispute or whether they're going through the process, who do they contact? What are they working with? The whole process of trying to make sure that they can they get a free copy of their report, what are they, how do they start repairing it? And if they have a dispute, what do they do? Take us through that process.
3: Well, the first thing you do is uh, is like you've just said, you either recognize it or you just stick your head in the sand and act like nothing's happening. And so when you do recognize it, you need to begin to contact the credit reporting agencies and then file with them where you have noticed a particular area that may have been a issue for you. And if you think it's been reported incorrectly, then you write a letter and you have it stated that you believe this is incorrect information about you. And so that's that's the starting point, is to gather that information and to reach back out into the reporting company, one of the three major reporting companies that are out there.
1: And they are, tell us who they are and how to contact
3: you. Sure, TransUnion, Equifax, and I just had a middle block about the third one.
1: Annualcreditreport.com. There the you go. The third one I would go to, I think. Yep. And you can just go to annualcreditreport.com. Now, the annual credit report, that report does not include your credit score, but you got Equifax, Experian is the second one. Experian, yes. What you're yes. talking about. TransUnion, those are the three. But you can go to add the two, the annualcreditreport.com. That goes online, or you can call them. That telephone number is 877 if you'd like to talk to them. And um, we just noticed, if you just heard a little hammering going on, we've got still got a little bit of repair going on here in the studios. We've got beautiful studios here at KWAM. And uh, I tell you, it's just wonderful to be in a studio that is just so, so nice. But if you heard a little bit of noise, it's because we still are going through a little bit of... Little bit of construction. It's uh it's been a it's been a great journey and uh, we're excited. So it's great to, to have a new studio. But let's go back to that. That's you need to go to Equifax, Experian, and Transunion, TransUnion. to start that repair. Now, Rob, let's talk about this and I will because we've both done some credit counseling. People need to understand they cannot procrastinate when it comes to credit repair. It, you have to be proactive.
3: That's right. The sooner the better. If you know, uh, in the case of a scenario where you're, uh, you're going to get married, it's not a bad conversation. I know within our own, uh, business that when we have young couples and we're doing premarital counseling on financial planning, it's important to find out and be very transparent to the spouse or future spouse about what kind of credit have you had. So, these are all important areas that need to start immediately and able to be able to clear that up and make sure that you're getting off on a positive step and not a negative step.
1: Well, I think this is important for our, our listeners to understand. Credit repair is is something that is just mandatory. You know, literally, it's mandatory. I mean, really, and I think, Dane, you've brought it out. If I was buying a house getting, you know, obviously to get a good loan, I've got to have good recredit to get my homeowners insurance. And I love what you said. If I'm going to get my homeowners
4: insurance or my car insurance, it's going to affect my rates. Absolutely. It is. And and even still, I mean, we're seeing uh, mortgage rates being at record lows and people that are taking advantage of refinancing. And if your credit's a mess, you may not be able to capitalize on that. And you may be locked into a higher interest rate for decades longer because you just weren't able to refi because your credit was a mess.
1: Well, there's, you need to know that there is a way to get a fair credit report. the Fair Credit Reporting Act. It says that basically you can get a free credit report from the three national consumer credit reporting agencies. And if you just meet one of the following criteria, it's simply you're unemployed and you intend to apply for employment in the next 60 days. You are entitled to a free credit report. Persons receiving public welfare assistance. You're entitled. Persons who believe their consumer file contains inaccurate information due to fraud, you're entitled to get a free credit report. And persons, find finally, persons who have been the subject of adverse actions such as denial of credit or insurance, as you just mentioned, Dane, within the last 60 days, you're entitled to a free credit report. And you can simply go online You can go online to Equifax, that's probably the easiest, or you can go to call them by phone, 1 800 685 1111. And I think that's just something that people need to understand. It is so important to manage your credit. And don't be like Paul, who decided that credit cards were so easy. As uh, a 28-year-old. He's now got a dad that's come alongside him. And let me say this to everybody listening. Thank you, Dad, for coming alongside Paul. That was what we'd like to see. But Rob, you know this. We've counseled a lot of people about credit, and we've seen that over the years. Tons of people who, it just it gets out of hand. I want to make sure everybody understands. It's difficult for some people to manage credit. I understand that. So if you struggle with that, if you're married and you have a spouse, get them involved. If the two of you together struggle with it, get a counselor. If you're single, find an accountability partner somebody that can come alongside you and spend some quality time and literally kind of of say to you, hey, you're spending too much in this area. You're not following up. You're doing some things incorrect. Somebody that's willing to talk straight up with you.
3: Jim, that's extremely important, particularly now during this period that we're in with the pandemic and the coronavirus. Managing your credit is critical. And it's like You mentioned earlier, you can get your credit scores from those three agencies once a year, so you can get all three agencies in. And I suggest to folks that everybody knows when their birthday is. Give yourself a birthday present every year by getting in touch with your credit agencies and getting those credit reports
1: makes a lot of sense. Thanks, Rob. I think it's good. Great. If you'd like to talk to Rob, I'll tell you how to do that in a minute. It's 901-757-5757. We'll talk more about that in a second. Dane, you talked about homeowners and car insurance and how a bad credit repair report would also affect that. But now let's talk about, I want to talk about something that happens in Memphis a lot. Uh, in fact, it's, uh, it's kind of one of the, maybe not quite as severe, as, as the pandemic, but there are times when I feel like it is, and that is we, we have automobile accidents. You ever thought about that? You know I mean, driver knowledge says the average number of car accidents in the U.S every year is eight million. About three million of those are injury accidents. Now here's the thought: one out of every three per- people driving today use at least are there 23 more times. Likely to have an accident because they are, you want to guess, texting while driving. One, one, thir- th- one third of the people driving today are more likely because they're texting while they're driving. I'm going to give you another statistic here in a minute when you're see- receiving and what that really means to you if you're driving down Germantown Parkway, which I drive. I had my son, grandson in the car and my granddaughter in the car a couple of weeks ago. And we were driving down Germantown Parkway just to talk about this a second. And we all we started counting the number of people that were either they were using their handheld. Let's put it that way. If they were talking on the phone, but they were not, but they had their handheld in their phone in their hand, texting or talking. We quit when we hit fifty, and we hadn't got to. Our, we live out in Lakeland. We hadn't got to. We hadn't got to halfway. It was so funny, the kids go, there's another one, there's another one, and it was hilarious as we got into it, it was fun. So that's the cause of one third of people that do that, causing accidents. Talk about that.
4: Yeah, I feel like another third of those are probably lying on that report, too. <laughs> I, was I, I, I feel say, like the one third. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Uh, but we're absolutely seeing uh, just an uptick in that because we've got more distractions that are available to us. So our cars now are, are spaceships uh, with all the technology that's in them. So not only do we have our, our, uh, our phones that we're carrying around that are basically computers that can do all sorts of things but we've got cars with Wi-Fi and navigation and all of these things that can take our focus off of driving a car versus you know, a car that was built in the 60s. You had on and off sometimes, and that was about it. That was about it. Yeah. And, and now there are so many things that are going to distract us that we are seeing an uptick in the accidents because of that. And when that happens, we're having more accidents, we're going to have higher rates just because there's more being paid out by the insurance companies.
1: All right, you deal with this a lot, and so you tell people that you work with, your clients and your people that you're, you know, guiding them through the proper amount of automobile insurance, what to do when they've had an an accident. Now, I know kind of a couple of other things that everybody knows. Get safe, you know, if you can and do what you can. Call 911 if you need to. No questions about that. Check on the well-being of everybody else. These are kind of what I would say everybody knows. Now, after you've done those three, okay, get safe, Call 911, check on everybody else. What do you tell people that's the next things to do?
4: Uh, you know, one of the things, and you, you hit it right off the bat, call 911 was uh, something that we assume everyone knows to do, but you'd be surprised how many people don't. Uh, they say, look, the accident wasn't that bad. I got a picture of their insurance card and I kept moving. Um, but that, a lot of times that police report, is going to be what guides the decision and whose fault the accident was. If you just, I got a picture of their ID card, and I'll call in the insurance company and tell them, it may end up being my word against theirs, as opposed to having a police report with witness statements that is going to more clearly guide the insurance company's decision. Dane, you
1: mentioned that. I think that's one of the biggest issues. I had someone that ended up having a, you know, someone rented to the back of uh, what a terrible accident, but they, well, they were obviously texting or doing something and mm-hmm. it did enough damage, but they were both able to drive off, okay? They took pictures, you know, they got shared driver's lights, did everything they thought was appropriate and literally drove off, filed insurance claims, and all of a sudden it's a battle. The person that ran into the back of this individual denied it and mm-hmm. said, well, they actually backed into me because they were turning. And it was totally out of the blue. I mean, and this person, and this was a person that really wasn't, really wasn't willing to fight it, okay? Mm-hmm. The insurance company did some of it, and it really took, took kind of care of it and, you know, the pictures. But they didn't call 911. Mm-hmm. They didn't have that
4: accident report. So you're saying, make the call. Absolutely. You want to get the call on record, even if it's in a parking lot, even if it's very clear that no one is in danger or injured or anything like that, at least have the call on record Uh, right now with the pandemic that we're in. There are times where they're saying, look, we're not making uh, visits for things to where it's very clear what has happened here. So sometimes the police are saying, look, we're going to take a statement over the phone or we'll keep moving. We're not going to send somebody out right now under our current circumstances, but either way you want to make sure that you've at least made that call So that you can have documented proof of what happened you've had a police officer come out there and take statements from everyone involved and you talk about photographing everybody
1: making sure that you've taken today with phones and and, you know the ability to take a picture
4: make sure you take and before you move the vehicle yes it's so easy to do now back in the day there was a camera involved and you had to get film developed it's so easy now to take pictures before you move the vehicles at all and get them out of the road from where the contact occurred Make sure that you've taken a picture of, look, this is where we hit, this is what all sides of the vehicle. And then from there, you want to make sure that you get license plate pictures. You want to get pictures of the insurance cards, uh, get contact information for everybody involved in the accident and witnesses. Because if it does turn into a he said, she said, you want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with someone who saw it. That's an unbiased third party. So getting all of that information documented is really going to help you have a much smoother claims experience if you've got that on file. You
1: know, I think that's so critical because people forget that when you're going through this process, you think, you know, well, I can see the front end of my car. I take that picture. And I've and I, i I've always told people to see if you agree that if you're going to take pictures, take pictures. I mean, don't one, two, three. Okay, I got it. no. 30 if you need to, because, you, you know, don't, don't feel like you're, you know, you know here's, here's my concern. And, and I think we all do this. I had someone a couple of years ago to run into the back of me. Well, let's put it this way. There's three cars involved, and I was the number three car. So there was a person in the middle and a person in the back. And the person that, was, that caused the accident lost it. I mean, they were, and I see that a lot. I mean, you know, I've had people to tell me about that. You've had people. I've had lawyers to tell me about that, where they really just lost it. You know what I'm saying? Just couldn't carry on the conversation. If you're in an accident like that, don't take advantage of that person. Mm -hmm. That person, we had to coach that person to literally get out of the car. They were in tears. They knew they had caused the accident, but it was they were emotionally, and they were not hurt. That was the first thing we made sure of. But the reality is just the fear of having an accident, the concern, did I hurt somebody? There's where people have got to work
4: together. Yeah, we are all carrying around so much stress from normal life anyway and pandemics and recessions and all sorts of things that are going on. And then you have a sudden instant like that that makes it feel like now I have to play life on a harder level. Now things have just suddenly gotten much more difficult from this sudden lapse of judgment, this accident, something that maybe I wasn't even wrong, but now uh, the the bills get a little tighter. Uh, Things are just going to be tougher because of this instant, and it can really wreck people. Um, We often see also, we talk about injuries that happen in accidents. Right after an accident, everyone's running on adrenaline. And the injury you may have experienced may be hidden by that adrenaline and you may not be feeling it. So in the moment you say, no, I'm fine. I don't need to get in an ambulance. I've got stuff to do. But a day, two days later, you may not be able to get out of bed. So going ahead and and taking advantage of, look, let me at least get checked out to make sure that I don't have some crazy disc injury that's going to be a huge issue for me. You want to get that on record as well. So if someone thinks you need to hop in an ambulance, don't fight them on it.
1: Yeah, I think that's critical that people need to understand. Don't be macho here. This is when you need to be careful. Do what you need to do. Take care of that. I know some people that think, well, you know, because we tell people, I know you've told people, get names of all the witnesses. People stop. People... You know, in my accident, somebody said, hey, I have a, had a camera on the front of my car. Here's what, here's what happened. And they saw it and all that kind of stuff. I'll be glad. To, and, you know, and I was getting names and people and I knew it was not. But sometimes we have a tendency to be trivial about it. And that person says, oh, I'm OK. And they're not. So you think that the
4: police are going to get all the witnesses. You tell people. Yeah. You want to make sure you do it as well. Uh, they are uh, overworked. Sometimes there's, there's a lot going on in the life of a police officer and maybe making sure they checked all the box is, isn't as uh, pressing as some other things that may be going on in their shift as the radios going off and more calls and all of the things. So if you are involved, make sure that you've got that information as well, just to uh, double check the, the contact information, the names of everyone that's involved, witnesses and otherwise. Now that's That's critical. Let me give you a statistic. I I don't know why
1: I think this is so important, but to me, as my kids and I are driving down Germantown Parkway, my grandkids, and we're counting the number of people using a handheld, either texting, it says, and this, this came from uh, thedriverknowledge.com, it Said sending or receiving a text takes a driver's eyes from the road for an average of 4.6 seconds. Now, guys, we watch seconds all the time. I mean, on the radio, seconds are important. In fact, Greg just told me I got two minutes, okay? All right, so we're watching 4.6 seconds, okay? The equivalent of, with 4.6, of 55 miles an hour of driving length is an entire football field driving blind. Hmm. Don't text while you're driving. Well, that's so important. Dane, thank you much, man. You've helped us out to understand and be proactive in a car accident. That's important. Take, take as many pictures. Talk to the witnesses. Don't think it's going to happen automatically. And if, you're not, if you think you're feeling good, but there's a possibility
4: you've got a back injury, go to the hospital. Get it checked out right. Document as much as you can. Get checked out as much as you can, because you don't know what the long-term impacts are going to be from this instance. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it very much.
1: You've been listening to KWAM, the 990, the mighty 990, FM 107.9 and AM 990. My guest, Paul Malley, Aging with Dignity. You can go online. Just go to dignity.org, agingwithdignity.org, or you can call Paul at 850-681-2010, 850-681-2010. If you have additional questions for Dane or Rob and would like to talk with them personally, call them at 757-5757. That's area code 901. And to find a copy, we have prepared something for you. It's called Satisfying the Idea of a Checklist When You're Getting Ready for Retirement. You're getting ready for a, you know, you're looking at all the paperwork that you've got to put together. That's we we've prepared for you. If you'd like to pick that up, just go to our, financial, our Facebook page. Look for that particular number. It's It's just... You will find it, no problem to it, print it out for you. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to Talk Money at Shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program on podcast or past program, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial, or you can go to podcast at KWAM 990 and listen to the program there. And be sure to like us on Facebook. I thank you for being with us. Appreciate it very much that you're a faithful listener. Next week, Rusty. <laughs> Excuse me, Rusty Leonard from Stewardship Partners with a market update. You don't want to miss that. How long will the recession be? He's going to answer that question and also will be with us. Ted Miner must know facts about Social Security. Join us. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and thank you for listening. This is Talk Money.
0: Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskowitz, Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or recommendation. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. Neither Secure and Financial Services Inc. nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Paul Malley or Aging with Dignity. The views and opinions expressed are those of Paul Malley only, and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Secure and Financial Services Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Security and Financial Services Inc. Securities Dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.